This is Derek, Derek, Derek. Diamond, diamond, diamond. Experience! Welcome to another episode of the Derek Diamond Experience Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Diamond, and if you haven't yet, be sure to check out last week's episode where I discussed The Mandalorian Season 3 and the state of Star Wars in general with my good friends Jason Robbins and Wally Phelps. That episode is available on all podcasting platforms as well as YouTube, which you can find at linktree.com slash Podcast for all your Derek Diamond Experience content. If you want to subscribe to the show through audio or the YouTube channel, or if you want to follow me on social media, everything is at linktree.com slash Podcast. For this week, we're going to continue the Star Wars discussion because, you know, May 4th is uh, come to be a fun day with Star Wars fans ever since the May the 4th Be With You tagline started, which I can't remember exactly when that started. But I wanted to do one last big top five before the show goes on a summer break at the end of the month. And I was thinking, what bigger top five could I do than top five Star Wars moments? You hear a lot of top five Star Wars movies or top characters, but there are a lot of cool moments in Star Wars. And honestly, there's way too many to name. I even had to narrow down my honorable mentions list to four. Uh, so it's not to take up so much time because we got a lot of uh, listener lists as well that we have to get into. But I couldn't do this episode by myself. And I asked uh, two friends of mine uh, named Regan Bell and Christian Jones. Uh, they once hosted a show called the Fantastic People Podcast. And I was one of their first guests back in, I believe, early 2020. So we've stayed in touch periodically since then. And uh, I had them on an episode of Feature Presentation to do a top five list, but they've never been on the Derek Diamond Experience before. And I thought with them going to Star Wars Celebration in London, it would have been perfect to have them come on to talk about that, which they do. And then we get into our top five list. And we have some general Star Wars discussion as well as far as the the toxic fandom and really it's, it's about a lot of that. So a really fun episode. Uh, thank you to everyone for submitting your list and thank you of course to Regan and Christian for taking the time. So without further ado, here is our top five star Wars moments with myself, Regan and Christian. Well, if you didn't get enough Star Wars discussion from last week's podcast, you're going to get even more this week because it not only is it more Star Wars discussion, but is the return of the top five list. And this top five list is so big, I couldn't do it by myself. I had to have some help because I narrowed down my honorable mentions to like four, like five minutes before we started this podcast. So Tough, tough top five to do. We're doing top five Star Wars moments. And joining me for this wonderful discussion, uh, you know them from the uh, Fantastic People podcast. We have Mr. Regan Bell. Regan, how are you, sir? Good. May the 4th be with you. Absolutely. We are recording this on May 4th. So I I, I think it's it was fitting that this was the day 
for this podcast to work out. But also joining us, uh, also from the Fantastic People podcast, Mr. Christian Jones. How are you, my friend? Hello, I'm doing good, sir. Happy to be here. Happy to talk Star Wars. Absolutely. Before we get into the top five lists, you guys were both at Star Wars Celebration uh, in London. Uh, just It seemed like it happened yesterday. So, uh, Regan, let's start with you. How, how was the experience of, of being at Star Wars Celebration? It was it was amazing it was amazing it was better than i think i expected um just a little background i <clears throat> well my gosh i guess it's been about two years now i've completely turned my twitter into star wars like it's i only follow star wars accounts basically only really talk about interact with star wars and so i've made some connections uh in that last year and a half made some online friends if you will <clears throat> and last year in anaheim a bunch of them went uh, and so I got this like serious FOMO watching them, uh, watching them do it. And so I was like, I gotta go. And so to actually be there with thousands of fans, uh, and, and meet these people, meet a lot of friends in person for the first time, uh, was just, it, it's, there's no experience like it, honestly. Christian, what about you? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, similar things. My Twitter page is not solely devoted to star Wars. Uh, but you know, Derek, I'm sure you understand this as a person who's been obsessed with pop culture for as long as I can remember. And, you know, being at the tip of the spear when it comes to the like cultural zeitgeist when movie news comes out, like I had the opportunity to sit in the room during the Lucasfilm panel and get to see the exclusive trailers and hear the announcements and be there when did they announced Daisy and everyone went nuts and um, sit there in Ahsoka and see the special trailer there and get to see Thrawn for the first time. Like it was such a surreal experience as a person who has been obsessed with movie news and who's obsessed with star Wars to like, just be there in the moment, not just reading it on Twitter, but actually like living it then. So incredible. Yeah. yeah. I would agree with, with all of that. Um, just to, to, to live that experience where it feels exclusive. It feels special at energy. The energy in every single room was just, nothing but roars <laughs> and so it was just it was uh yeah to see those exclusive things to get a little taste before it comes out uh was was pretty pretty uh pretty cool yeah and I, i'll be honest i was living vicariously through both of your twitter accounts <laughs> during star wars <laughs> celebration because uh, I, I got to go when they were in orlando when everything with the last jedi came out oh, and wow. so i i understand what you guys mean when you talk about that energy when you're in the room, when you're seeing the the Lucasfilm panel and you're with thousands of fellow fans, like it, Star Wars fans, I mean, a lot of them have a bad rap and in some cases, rightfully so. But at our core, we're we're all Star Wars fans and being around you know, people in costumes that have traveled from all over the world to to be there for this moment and just being around that raw emotion there's nothing quite like it. It's, you know, I, I liken it to a movie premiere of a movie that you've really been looking forward to. Yeah. But that that's the closest thing that I can compare it to. But it's really its own animal, if you will. Yep. Well, and to your point, Derek, I, you know, yes, is there toxicity within Star Wars fandom? Sure, there is in every fandom. But I, I had one experience where I had one person complain to me about 
Bo being the focus and Mando season three being wokeism. There was like 40,000 people there and I ran into the one person. Every other interaction was extremely positive. Uh, it, everyone was extremely well-spoken and just, and just excited and happy to celebrate Star Wars. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, I don't want to make this a whole like bash toxic Star Wars fans thing, but you know, we, we all have our opinions, but Mm-hmm. When when people complain about things like that, I just say this is all one big story. Like, obviously, there's going to be more Mandalorian. So mm-hmm. let's see what happens with the next season. And then we can go from there. It's an ever evolving story. I think yep. there are corners of the Star Wars universe for all of us. Um, and there's all something out there we love. And listen, if you're an original trilogy purist and you hate the sequel trilogy, whatever. There are critiques for it. The original trilogy still exists. You can still watch it. You can still love it and cherish it. Um, and so we just have to find our corner, you know, and, and be okay living there. Um, well, I don't love everything, but I like a lot of it. And I, I think that's what's so great. You know, a lot of that toxicity, you know, comes from, oh, that's not my Star Wars. That's not my version of it. And it's like, no, it's not. It's somebody else's and it's for somebody else. And you have yours. I have mine. We all love it together. There's aspects of it that we all love, but I think one of the greatest things to at risk of being called a Disney shill. Uh, I think one of the, uh, I think you've been called the, that enough. Yeah. I've already gotten that, which I'm sure we'll get there. But um, I think that one of the greatest things to come out of Disney era is just that is that they're really making an effort to expand not only the saga, the world, the galaxy, um, but the offering for who, who is star Wars for, um, who can enjoy it? It's not just, you know, 40-year-old white dudes who grew up with the original trilogy. It's it's literally anybody. Um, and to feel that inclusion and to go to a place like London and and be with 40,000 other people who don't look and act and think and talk like me and don't like the same things that I do, but yet we can all collectively come together and, and love Star Wars, that that is that is beautiful. And that's that deserves its place. No, I I totally agree with that. And the thing, too, is that, you know, to use a Star Wars analogy, like the galaxy is so big in Star Wars, like you don't focus on just this one little corner of it. Like, I like that they're expanding it and making Mm -hmm. something for everybody. Like, if there's something I don't like, then I'm not going to watch it. It's just as simple as that. Yeah, I think to this point, too, uh, Reagan said, you know, Disney's doing a good job of this. I think the last eight months proved this. You know, Andor is a great show. I loved Andor. Do I think Andor is what Star Wars should be all the time? No, I can't watch Andor with my child. That feels hard for me to accept when we're talking about Star Wars. But then we have Tales of the Jedi, Bad Batch. He's really gotten into Mandalorian. Uh, I know you know, Derek might not apply to you, but this youngling show on Disney plus is actually really good. Yeah, really. Uh, yeah. it, it, it's surprising, like how entertaining it is for me. And maybe it's just cause I, maybe I am a Disney sh- shill like yeah. Reagan, but yeah. like, I think we've gone on probably the best eight months of star Wars content probably ever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's such a wide variety appealing to so many different people for so many different reasons. Yeah. Absolutely. Last thing before we get to our list, Regan, you kind of teased it, but you you shared something on Twitter that that got a little out of hand. Uh, yeah. So, out of hand, t- yeah, tell 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 me about that. Yeah, no, uh, you know, 
so 40th anniversary of uh return of the jedi and somebody else posted a gif uh gif gif um gif on twitter just saying hey i just saw this for in theaters for the first time on the big screen which was you know cool but the gif i don't know i don't know why they chose this one all right i really don't it doesn't make any sense but it's literally this is a still image from it uh but it's it's luke just wailing on darth vader uh in anger you know he says oh i'll turn your sister to the dark side or whatever and so he's like whatever he's afraid uh, and he's angry about that and so he said he wasn't going to fight him and then here he is just letting him have it uh i mean the dude's down on the ground he's defenseless he's just slamming the saber of course then he cuts off his hand he doesn't kill him um and as many others were sure to remind me moments later he throws his lightsaber down and he says no, I'll never turn to the dark side. I won't, I won't fight you. Okay. But so I saw this and just this sheer emotion. I mean, look at that face uh, that this guy has. I'm like, I hearkened back to the argument of uh, the last Jedi when people are like, oh, that's not my Luke. That's not Luke. He, he would never, he would never, he would never, you know, turn his lightsaber on toward his nephew and whatever. And I was like, tell me again, how this guy isn't that guy. Uh, it's that emotion, right? I was just calling to the emotion. That was it. Uh, and uh, just throw, saying it's consistent. It's consistent with who he is deep down, that that uh, Skywalker rage, that Skywalker blood. Uh, and it is. It's, it may not be the story you like. It may not be the direction you like. But it is the same. It's consistent, right, with with that original writing and what, what Ryan Johnson did in The Last Jedi. At least that was my reaction when I saw it. And so I said that and... Uh, 730,000 people later. And I think now we're up to like 700, 800 comments, quote, quote, tweets, retweets, and uh, 7,000 likes. Um, a lot of people- and One had large therapy to... bill from all yeah, the- a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people had something to say about that, which uh, I did not, did not. I mean, I should have, I should have expected, but, but man, people get real protective about their, their holy boy Luke, so- it's insane to me that now, years later, that movie still gets such a strong reaction. Whether it's yeah. defense or knocking it, people have to admit it gets a very strong reaction. Yeah. Yeah. And somebody actually, I think, uh, maybe it was, no, who was it? Somebody said this. It might have been, I was thinking it was Steve, but maybe not Steve Wise. But um, they, they called out, they were like, imagine, you know, six years later and it's still getting this kind of conversation, then that means it's good writing. Like if we're still mm -hmm. talking about it six years later, um, you know, otherwise we could have just all moved on and forgotten about it, but we haven't because it still makes us think and it challenges us and it makes us have an emotional reaction to it. I mean, some people are very emotional to this because, and I get it. You grow up with this, with this guy being your, your, your penultimate hero, right? The hero's journey and the savior of the Jedi and the way and the, the beacon of hope and light and all that is good and goodness and pure goodness. Right. I get that. And I, and I respect that. Um, and so I can understand how a slightly different version of that can be off-putting or jarring, especially when it's been 30 years of, of the, um, of, of stories with Luke and, and the Jedi. So I get that. And I'm not trying to upheaval that or challenge that, version or view of who luke is all i was trying to do is just say hey it's it's consistent with it's actually consistent right it's not it's different than you thought it's different than what you're used to but it is still um narratively good storytelling right and and consistent with character so 
I don't want to, you know, belay our top five list here, but I do want to make one point here that I saw a lot, Reagan, when reading through your comments, was that um, people were like, oh, the, the the moment is over. He's learned his lesson when he throws the saber, and then it's backtracking for him to go back to that moment. And I totally disagree with this argument, because yeah. Luke in this scene in Return of the Jedi starts in fear and goes to anger. He never makes it to anger in that scene with Kylo Ren. Now, if you're interpreting the Kylo version of the scene, maybe, but what we're supposed to be believed to be the real version, he's simply motivated by fear. And because of his experience with the dark side, because of this event, he mm -hmm. knows I know what comes next and he's mm -hmm. able to stop himself from that. So it, it actually is character evolution. He doesn't yeah. go to the anger that he went to previously. He recognizes the path he's on. He stops himself. And then he deals with guilt and pain and regret and mm. understand. We don't really see that in this moment here. He, he throws his blade and he's like, oh, I want, you know, essentially once his dad's saved, he doesn't, we don't see him addressing the effect of his kind of brief turn to the dark side. We actually do see it in The Last Jedi. So I, I yeah. you know, of course I think it's consistent, but I also think the argument that it's backtracking doesn't actually acknowledge what's happening in that scene and how it relates back to this moment in return of the Jedi. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I'm going <clears> to, <throat> I'm going to make a Twitter, uh, it's totally unrelated to this post. Actually, I was planning on doing this anyway, after rewatching the sequel trilogy and I'm going to make a, a big like thread and a whole an analysis of the whole thing. But one thing that I've, I found when watching this, cause I, I too, I didn't like the, the last Jedi. I was like everybody else when I first saw it. And I didn't, I kind of started to stop liking TFA. I really liked Tross the first time I watched it. Christian can attest to it. I was like, yeah, that's the best thing ever. It's the worst uh, drive home in my life, Derek. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, yeah it was great. It did everything I wanted it to. But but upon rewatch, I'm like, and, and years removed from my expectations of what I had for those movies, just watching them purely for what they are, because I haven't watched them in years. I was like, oh, oh wow, this is actually really good. However, the problem was our expectations, right? Yeah, the absolutely. reason I hated The Last Jedi is because I spent like a year and a half or two years watching YouTube fan theories and I got fixated on what I thought, that's that's it, that's the right thing. And then when it wasn't that, I was mad, frustrated, confused, like you just big old middle finger to the fans. And I was like, that's not right. And then same thing with Trust. There was a whole bunch of expectations and a lot of those expectations come from this moment where after that, what do we get? We get 30 in the nineties and onward, we get 30 years of the expanded universe and a version of Luke that was written in time and history. That's no longer Canon. Right. But we still, a lot of fans come to the table with that Canon in their head thinking that is who Luke is. And, and that's why they have such a strong reaction to it. But if you take those expectations, you lay them to the side and recognize it's the same Luke, but written from a different perspective and from a different point in time, it's actually a really rich story. It's really rich and, and compelling. Um, and so I kind of flipped on Tross versus Last Jedi, where the other one kind of feels like a big old hot mess um, instead. So anyway. That's that's putting it mildly. The yeah. Rise of we Skywalker's can... hot mess. We yeah. can relitigate the sequel trilogy another time. I, yeah. I, I'm always down for that conversation. Sorry, yeah, I don't need to yeah. take over. <laughs> well, or reason to do another podcast. There we go. So, okay, so we're going to do top five moments in Star Wars. So 
it's anything Star Wars related. It could be from the animated series, could be from the Disney Plus shows, movies. If it's Star Wars related, it's eligible to make the list. So um, we'll do honorable mentions first. Uh, I know, Christian, you said you you had one. So uh, what's your honorable mention? It's appropriate because it's from Visions. Uh, uh, Visions Part 2 came out today. This is from Visions Part 1. Uh, and I'm going with The Duel, the very first uh, Vision sequence uh, in Visions Part 1. It is... Um, you know, kind of a lone wolf and cub, very Kurosawa inspired, really ties back to some of those original inspirations George had from Star Wars. But the reason why I say it's so influential is um, it is our first dose into global storytelling for Star Wars. It really b- brings a different and unique voice into Star Wars and what Star Wars can be while also telling a pretty compelling Star Wars story in 12 or 13 minutes. Um, it. I think Visions 2 steps it up a whole lot, but I didn't want to be too, too recent. But um, it, it is a really good example if someone says, why is diversity important? Well, watch what Star Wars can be when we get voices from all over the world chiming in and telling us. Um, I can tell you that that dual episode is is was the only Visions cosplay I saw at Celebrations. Like, if there was a cosplay from Visions, it was from that one short. Uh, It's very influential. It's very, very good. And again, really harks back to kind of the OG thoughts and processes behind George's mind when writing Star Wars originally. Yeah. I'm going to have to watch Visions this weekend. You got to, bro. It's so good. Oh, wait, you haven't seen the first season? Mm Mm-mm. Oh man, it's good. It's good. They're not all. They're not all a hit. I'll say that they're, they don't all hit. But there is. It depends on your taste, your style, and what you like. But there's. I appreciate the effort that was made and and the um the diversity and all of it. And season two, which we now have, but we had a sampling of at celebration. I, I was like, holy cow, this is just <laughs> kicking it up three or four notches. So, love it, Regan. Any honorable mentions from you? Oh, right. Honorable mentions. Um, I've got two quick ones. One, um, so it I, this one almost made the top of my list or made my list, um, but the Andor, um, in Andor, the monologue from, um, what's his name? The, the Stellan uh, Skarsgård? Yeah, Stellan Skarsgård. Like, holy cow, right? When he's like, what did I sacrifice? Everything. You know, you're just like, Oh, oh man, that is the rebellion. That is Star Wars. Like that is life. Um, so that was just a huge that that moment hit so hard for me. And I I, I tweeted out the other day too, like, um, what moment lives rent free in your brain from Star Wars? And that that is one. It's one. It's now become one of my favorite quotes. Um, but when I took a step back and I was like, all right, everything else in Star Wars though, like what's what's ultimate top five? It just I just couldn't. It got pushed out. So you'll see in a second why. But the other one in across all of Star Wars, um, it's actually not from content itself, but uh, Celebration a few years ago, I wasn't there, but I saw it online um, for um, announcements around uh, the return, the Rise of Skywalker when Ian McDermott came out and said, roll it again. Uh, and then they roll the trailer. And it's just like when that's when it was revealed that he was there and was going to be in the movie. Uh, that's just, I mean, he's the villain of Star Wars. How can you, you know, not love anything with that guy in it? So. Somehow he returned. Somehow. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that moment, though, that you're talking about, I remember watching the the live stream. Yeah. And that I would have loved to have been there because that place yes. went nuts. 
nuts. Mm-hmm. Absolutely nuts. Yeah. It was insane. Uh, so I've got four. I'll go through really quickly. Um, from the Phantom Menace, which Phantom Menace, and I don't want to get into full discussions of like, you know, the flaws in every movies, but Phantom Menace does have some cool moments. Um, the pod racing sequence. I remember seeing it for the first time in theaters. I was 12 or 13 when um, Phantom Menace came out in theaters and specifically the moment when Sebulba is like right behind Anakin and you hear that do, 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 do. And it just gets louder and louder and louder was so, so cool to me. Like 12, 13 year old me was geeking out over that. Um, a more recent one from the book of Boba Fett when Grogu reunites with uh, Din Djarin. I don't have kids, but I've got since I've married my wife, I've gotten pretty close to our niece and nephews. Mm. So I can only imagine like the parents watch like like you guys watching that had to have been really cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was surprised in the the listener submissions. No one had anything from Kenobi. But mm. I but I have one from Kenobi and this would have been probably number six on my list. The duel between Vader and Obi-Wan after Obi-Wan splits his mask in half when Anakin says the line, you didn't kill Anakin Skywalker. I yeah. did. Yeah. And you yeah. see the the light go from blue to red and you see the eye turn yellow. That whole sequence and, and the mixture between Hayden Christensen's voice and James Earl Jones's voice was perfect. Yeah, I, yeah. I've gone I, back and I've watched that s- scene in particular numerous times. Yeah, I'm glad you bring that up because a, a lot of Kenobi should actually end up on my honorable mentions list. I, I loved Kenobi. I really loved that I did show. Too. Um, and that's I almost put that one on like my top five list. And then also, um, now that you mention it, the the two conversations with uh, um, Obi Wan and little little Leia when she's like, "Did you know my my mother?" Or did you you know? And he starts talking about her, and it's just like, "Oh my gosh, the tears!" And then. Uh, at the end, like the very final scene when he expresses like, you've got this from your father and this from your father and this from your mother. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, like, what are they doing? Uh, those the girl who played good. Leia was fantastic, by the way. She was so she, good. She was fantastic at Celebration, too. Yeah. She dealt really well with, with that attention and with That's the awesome. audience and just still being a kid. So that yeah. was, yeah. All of I, I will follow up with that scene, Derek, in that I love that scene in that moment. And I almost put it in my list, and I almost put it in the scene that it harks back to, which is in Rebel season two with Darth yep. Vader and Ahsoka. Yep. Um, you know, us Rebel stands, we win in right now. Yeah. We, oh, everything yeah. is for us. If we stuck it out all four seasons, they just making content for us right now. <laughs> I'm here for it. Yeah. I'm gonna do a, a Rebels rewatch before Ahsoka comes out. I'm, like I'll, I'll do it do. with you. Yeah. Let's I'll, let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it. And we'll tweet about it. I'm I'm in the middle of it, sort of. I'm on season two. I think I'm about to finish season two, but it's been super slow the last few months. I meant to do it in like a couple of months or weeks or months. And it's been like six months, but yeah, it's yeah. Let's, let's make that happen. We'll, we'll talk offline and get that worked out yeah. real quick. My last honorable mention is the battle of Hoth. Uh, seeing mm. that for the first, I think it's one of the best battle scenes of any movie ever made. Yeah. I mean, so good. It gets a reference in which, Captain America Civil War, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the the tactics are great. The special effects are great. Um, and I mean, I don't think 
we're spoiled, I think, probably with movies today. But when you think about like how intimidating an ATAT is or how it would be to an audience back then, I mean, and to it, how it is to a kid for the very first time, it's an incredible, incredible fight scene. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Christian, we'll start with you. Do you want to go through your your top five? Sure, bro. Uh, I'm an appropriate place to start because my number five comes from The Last Jedi. <laughs> uh, I I actually wanted to do the scene that Reagan's talking about because I didn't realize there would be this much discourse about it. And I was like, oh, that's got to be it. But I went with my favorite, <laughs> which is the throne room scene uh, yeah. in The Last Jedi. One, it is, it is, in my opinion, the most beautiful shot in all of Star Wars. The staging wow. is exceptional. Um the chore uh the way it's choreographed i think i realize people have complaints about the sword fighting it it works on film it, yeah. it was incredibly beautiful to watch um but listen i don't know if this is appropriate for this podcast or not but that's the closest thing to a sex scene we're ever going to get in star wars those yeah. two are making love while yeah. they are stabbing their lightsabers through praetorian guards yeah. um yeah. and i loved it i thought it was great i'm a big hashtag raylo person i think yeah. ray and kylo are the opposites of anakin and padme i thought that from force awakens um and so that really culminated in that scene to me yeah. um it's just so much of what I wanted out of the story on top of being just expertly crafted and expertly directed. Yeah. Yeah. The, totally. um, the, the moment when, when she throws the lightsaber and he catches it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just, that was, that's beautiful. that, fight. that huge wide shot with all the red and you see yep. the guards, like it, it, there's no complaints about that scene at all to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, she grabs his thigh, bro, while stabbing somebody like, it's it's hot. It yeah. is. <laughs> I didn't. I did not. I mean, I should have known better, knowing you. I didn't expect that to be where we went, but I mean, it makes sense. It's cool. I respect it though. Yep. <laughs> uh, so what's uh, what's your number four? Oh, we're going straight through. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So number four is uh, Ahsoka escaping Order sixty six in the final season mm-hmm. of the Clone Wars. Um, one, I just think it's. It's obviously a question people have had. How did Ahsoka do it? I am a sucker for, maybe I watch Die Hard at too formative of an age. Uh, I'm a sucker for like, one person's got to get through a building of bad guy stories. Um, I, I, you know, we interacted on Twitter the other day. I love the raid. It is the inspiration for a lot of things for me. Uh, I love, you know, just the, the concept of being outnumbered. And the idea of like levels in a story, like you have to get from floor to floor to floor. And that really, that is that kind of story. But this is also enhanced by Tales of the Jedi, which came out in October, November uh, with that one clip with Anakin training her how to fight the clones um, and showing that Anakin was preparing her for the future, even when he didn't realize it. I just think it makes the relationship so beautiful. Um, I don't know if they had that bit written when they wrote the episode for the Clone Wars season seven. I doubt it because it's probably five years in between there but it's a great callback it just they just strengthen each other um and ahsoka you can't see my shirt but ahsoka is my favorite character and seeing her overcome those obstacles in that kind of environment big fan of that yeah yeah uh number three i'm gonna go something real recent so spoilers if you haven't finished the last season of mandalorian uh but the destruction of the dark saber uh reagan and i have had this conversation already um Listen, I think 
props to Dave Filoni, who basically inserted this thing into Star Wars and got to tell its entire story. He brought it into the medium in Clone Wars. He We reference it in um, several episodes of Rebels. And, of course, it becomes a big plot point through the first three seasons of Mandalorian. And I appreciate that Dave got to tell the whole story of it, beginning, middle, and end. Uh, on top of that, I think people, have, people get obsessed with the big flashy laser swords in Star Wars and fail to see what they represent. And the Darksaber represents destruction. It is the destruction of Mandalore. It is constant fighting, constant war. Um, they could not create a new Mandalore uh, with the same way the old one was destroyed. And so I think... The destruction of the Darksaber uh, from a symbol perspective needed to be a symbol that was removed from Mandalorian society, essentially. And uh, I appreciate that they had the cojones to actually do it. Much to Reagan's dismay. That's fair. I just like the Darksaber. I, just, I know you do. It looks so cool in live action, too. Yeah, it like is. Much it's better than I expected. It, it reminded me, did you guys ever play the Force Unleashed video game? Yes. Uh, yeah. There, You can get a black-bladed lightsaber mm -hmm. and, and that's what it reminded me of and i'm like that looks so so Look, cool but I, I i get i get the reasoning why they destroyed it though yes i understand all of that the thing is i just like the dark saber and <laughs> i i uh i like the i get that it's the destruction of mandalore whatever okay but i i like that it's this whole like whoever holds it's like what's the it's like, it's like a game of um you know whoever holds the stick is in charge like it's so it's like the, the passing of the scepter, if you will, and, and just sort of that um, representation. Well, I mean, it's 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 like it's, Excalibur, right? Like right, the person who right. pulls the sword from the lake gets to rule Camelot, right? But, know, um, you know, it. Arthur was killed by his, you know, best friend. So, like, it doesn't mean it's inherently good uh, right. just because you get to rule. So, um, yeah, that's number three. Number two, um, the most famous line in all of Star Wars, I am your father. Uh, Empire Strikes Back is number one, reign supreme for me. Um, and this line takes Star Wars from being just like sci-fi fantasy and turns it into a multi-generational opera. Mm -hmm. uh, it is up until this point, it's not really a familial story. But once we have the connection between Luke and Vader uh, and Luke and Anakin, now we have a multi-generational story. How did Luke's dad go from hero in the Clone Wars in the last, you know, what we hear about in the last movie to being the most evil guy in the galaxy? Um, and again, his son is supposedly the chosen one. Uh, we don't know it yet, but obviously his daughter Leia is just this ultimate hero, chooses good all the time. How can they come from this guy? It's this line that makes that story happen. Um, and uh, it's just, it, you know, at a time it was a twist, huge twist, shocked the world. Um, you know, I think Darth Vader translates as dark father in german so should it have been that shocking mm, probably not but uh still cinematic history made uh with those few words and my number one you said phantom menace and i wanted to say this then my number one comes from the phantom menace which is the duel of fates um one soundtrack phenomenal Best John Williams yep. piece of music ever written. It is incredible. Uh, obviously, the fight that is just unbelievable to watch. I watch it way more than I'd like to admit. Um, everyone is at the top of their game. The effects still hold up 24 years later. Uh, but this moment is the moment 
that decides Anakin's fate. It is this moment that sets the story for us. And I get it. It's a movie. It's written. It was always going to happen this way. I understand. But this is the way that it happened. Mm -hmm. Um, And when it's not that the dark side has to win, it's that Gwygon has to lose. Uh, That Gwygon probably is the only Jedi that Sidious feared uh, and is the only one that could have affected Anakin's growing up, uh, could have prevented uh, Sidious's kind of infection in his mind and his as long as Gwygon loses, that is what sets Anakin on the path forward to him becoming Darth Vader. Um, it is the moment that decides the entire saga. Uh, and I, it's it, it, besides its importance, it's to a beautiful soundtrack, and it looks incredibly beautiful. Um, so, yeah, Duel of Fates, right up there, number one for me. I love it. No, I remember, you know, again, seeing that for the first time in theaters, the first time that Darth Maul activates the dual bladed lightsaber. My little mm. mind was like, what? Yeah, yeah. World yeah. went nuts, bro. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, this, this is a game changer. But no, I, I agree with every single thing you said. Like, yeah. it's it's to me the best lightsaber duel in Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally agree. Regan, you're your top five, sir. So I, okay, I'm going to do a little bit different. I, I don't have them like in five order. They're in no yeah. particular order, but I, I did try really, I wanted to try to grab something from every era of Star Wars. And so yeah, I want to do it sort of in a flow like that, ending with the, okay. so, but uh, they're all in the top five together. So anyway, um, so I, first thing comes from uh, the games, Knights of the Old Republic, um, when Spoilers if you haven't played it. Uh, when, well, I can do this without spoilers. When you find out who Darth Revan is, um, as a as a as a preteen teen playing that game, that just rocked me. I was like, oh my, what? <laughs> like it really caught me. To me, that is the no, I am your father uh, moment of the games, where it's just like, oh, everything gets flipped on its head. Um, and it really, to me, cemented that story as one of the greatest Star Wars stories that we have, uh, because of, of really the way that was written, the sort of not seeing it and then how it kind of foreshadows throughout. And then just the, because even I think if I remember correctly, it's been a while since I played Darth Malak delivers that truth to, to you, to Revan. Um, and so it's very similar to the Vader delivering that news to Luke of no, uh, it's me. Um, so anyway, that's, I, I would, I would say that's probably number five anyway, at the bottom, but, uh, it comes from the games. So like it. Yeah. I should have known the KOTOR would be on this list for you. I did not peg that, but I should have known. Of course. Um, and then the next one, I, I don't know that I'd say this is a number four, but it's definitely not number one. Um, it's close though, is, uh, Ahsoka leaving the Jedi order. That moment when she's talking with Anakin and it's she, he's like, no, we're sorry. Come back. Like, again, spoilers. Um, and she's like, I can't. I have to find my own path. And she like that, just watching that slow walk away and that still moment where she's standing in between the two statues and the sun setting at, uh, at the temple. It's just it's beautiful. Number one, um, it's emotionally a wrecking ball. Uh, and every time I see that image, I immediately start just like water in my eyes because it's, uh, it is the, their connection, their bond, their journey, watching Ahsoka grow up throughout the entirety of the show and really come into her own 
and to see that betrayal from the Jedi Order that she experienced and then to be asked to to stick around and she's like, no, I no, I can't. I can't. Um, knowing how much she loves the Jedi, knowing how much she loves, you know, what's right and true is just that's it's, it's huge. I love that show, I love that character, and that's that's just a great moment. So as much as I love, you know, the extra episodes that come in season six that are really kind of nonsensical uh in a lot of ways and as much as i love season seven that is the natural ending to that show um that is a perfect like closure moment um and it is beautifully done Uh, i don't think it's undercut by the stuff they added i mean it was probably undercut by season six i think season seven kind of redeems that ending a little bit but um yeah that it's an incredible moment yeah i agree with that i mean as a natural ending too it's like this whole time, I mean, the whole time you're watching the show, you're like, okay, but like, why don't Where they is talk, she in Revenge of the Sith? Why don't they talk about her in Revenge of the Sith? You know, they're like, that's weird. And then you're like, oh, okay, that's why we don't talk about her. And then we kind of get it to false ending at this point. And then we do get season seven. And then we see another big, oh, that's why she's not there. And oh, cool. They did, they did interact. And it's really, that's mm-hmm. really well done. But to your point, Christian, yeah, I think it, it's a phenomenal closure and ending on that mm-hmm. well and as someone who was late to the party on clone wars i knew what was going to happen when the moment came but it still hit me like i had just yeah. watched it for the first time like that's how well done it was and anybody like if you're still listening to this podcast and you've never watched it still go out of your way to watch it because it is that good yep yep absolutely even though i know what's happening every time i watch it um it's a gut punch so yep uh, so next one next is from the sequel trilogy slash new era. And I really had to think about this one. Okay. I really had, cause there's so there's, I, as I thought through, I'm like, man, there's so many good moments, just so many good moments in star Wars period. Okay. This was very hard to do. <laughs> um, but when I'm thinking about the sequels, I'm like, wow, there's actually a lot of really good moments despite its flaws. Like there's some good stuff. So <clears throat> from the throne room scene fight is done. Uh, and, and, um, Kyla's trying to say, you know, come with me. And she's like, oh no, I gotta go find my parents, whatever, whatever. Right. And he's, and basically when the moment when he says, you're a nobody, your parents sold you, they're junk traders. They sold you for drinking money. Right. Just the, the, and I know what Christian's thinking. He's like, what? You hated that. Uh, but, but going back and watching it, watching it, the energy drain out of Ray's face, watching him use that to manipulate her, number one. And, and try to stir up those emotions to convert it to the dark side. Um, but really what's lying underneath there is pure Star Wars. It's pure, right? If you think about, go back to A New Hope, right? Now I didn't, I grew up with the whole trilogy out, but go back to A New Hope. Luke was just a dude. He was just a moisture farmer on a desert planet who just wanted to go to Tassi Station and get some power converters, all right? Like he's no, he's a nobody. He's a nobody. And I think that's why we all connected with him, right? Because we feel like nobodies. And there's just this, you know, goofy little, you know, moisture farmer and nephew of a moisture farmer, really, who who goes off into this galactic journey and he has his hero's journey experience, right? That the hope of of that journey, that is pure Star Wars. And then when you say, Ray, you're a nobody, it's like now her hero, her heroine, her heroine's journey can begin. Now she can cast off the shackles of whatever she's supposed to come from and she can actually have her journey 
and we can get a pure Star Wars story out of her. Now, whatever, it's not what we end up getting. Uh, and I loved that at the time, but but that just for me in terms of sequel trilogy moments, that's that's number one. That is that is Chef Kiss, pure Star Wars. Um, I have yeah. lots of thoughts. Uh, yeah, you do. <laughs> Same. but I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it simple and just say a thousand percent agree on your comparison to Luke Skywalker. Um, you know, one of the things that I love about Star Wars is that it is for everybody. It is, and especially it is for kids and everyone. Uh, my friend Jason Hurt, who I do real phonies with, Jason always talks about how you know when you're five, you're Luke Skywalker. Like when you're five, that's who you are. Now, when you're an, an adult, are you more like Mon Mothma's husband? Maybe, but when you're five, you get to be Luke. And uh, when you when you make it a generational story, and while I like that, you do kind of take that element away. And for Star Wars to kind of come back to it and right. say. Okay, it can still be a generational story because we got old Ben Solo here. He's the right. basically, you know, Prince of Naboo and of uh Right. Like it, it, it we still get that, but now our hero is a nobody and she is just like you. You get to be the hero in a galaxy far, far away. Um besides I think it's a way more interesting story point, yeah. but I do think when it speaks to the people who are watching Star Wars, which for me is a big filter that I look through when I critique star Wars is how do other people watch this? Um, it's an incredible choice. Yeah. Well, and, and to, to play off what you're saying there, cause I wanted to mention this too, you know, again, pre empire strikes back, there wasn't this generational story, mm -hmm. right? Like it wasn't, everyone had to be somebody and come from somebody's bloodline to be, to be powerful and to be the hero, to have, to, to win, you know, to conquer the the giant and whatever, right? And so now with this 30, 40 plus years of Star Wars, that's how we view Star Wars is this this generational bloodline, you know, Skywalker legacy. And it's like, but originally that's really not what Star Wars was. And even from in the original trilogy at, at the time, that's not really what it was. And so to be penultimate star Wars, we have to kind of strip that away. Um, and that's what that moment is what that moment did. So, yeah, no, I absolutely agree with both of you. Yeah. Uh, so next is from the prequel trilogy. And uh, I, so I'm going to, I'm going to actually cheat. I should have thrown this as a, as a, as a um, honorable mention, but that moment when Vader is laying there on the table, Anakin is, fully vader and it's quiet and you hear the for the first time right and it's just like it all comes together right it is all now one story it is one seamless story we get from little boy annie to darth vader and he's he's the guy he's the most powerful evil guy in the galaxy and uh and then when he's rising up and it's just like, boom, it's Darth Vader. Um, now, we get right after that, the, uh, no, that's goofy, all right? But but right up until that point, even when I watched it again today, just to double check, uh, even when 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 um, the Emperor at this point, Darth Sidious says, you know, when he's like, where's, where's Padme? And he's like, 
uh, you killed her. <laughs> and he's like, Whoa, oh, oh. just the, the dread and the realization that's that final, we talk, I mean, people on Twitter talked about this moment being the final moment that turns Luke to officially new level Jedi. He's officially a Jedi. That moment to me of Darth Vader realizing that he killed his wife, the one he was trying to save. Uh, and is that anger that, that just hurt and pain. That is what cements him into the dark side. That is what it says to him. I got nothing to lose now. Uh, and so galaxy, you know, goodbye. Look out. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It, had they left that scene with him crushing all the medical equipment and everything and seeing Sidious have that evil grin on his face, that would have been a great way to end it. But yep. Uh, yep. uncle George had to give us one last little, little, little nugget we'll before we go to another scene. He loves yeah. the camp. I mean, George loves campy, so, you know, I don't like it either, but I, I understand that's who he is. Well, and I think it's actually consistent with, um, it's a, it's a, it's a edit, a re-edit that he makes later in Return of the Jedi. Doesn't, when he, when he picks up, when he picks up the Emperor, doesn't he say, no, no, and he like throws him over the edge or whatever, like, that wasn't originally in the movie, that's goofy, and it gets added later, uh, so I think it's, you know, it's consistent at this point with that, but. Cool. Good or bad, it's still consistent. It's still Star Wars. <laughs> um, so the last moment comes from uh, the original trilogy, and that is... Oh, sorry. The other honorable mention I wanted to throw out real quick from Revenge of the Sith. I went back and forth on this, so I'm, I'm picking two. Uh, it was um, the Obi-Annie fight when he's... But he's, he's already you know, sliced him, and he's like, you know, you were my brother, Anakin. I loved you. You were supposed to destroy the Sith, not join them. Uh, that is just like that emotion between those two and Obi-Wan and just, you can see on his face, he's just, he's kind of giving into emotion at that point. Like he's just totally distraught. Um, and again, that's what throws him over the edge. That's where he gets sliced and falls into the, to the lava. That's how he becomes Vader in the first place. Uh, or well, the version of Vader that we see in the first place. Um, that was a just very big moment. That's one of my favorites from, and it gave us tons of memes, you know, <laughs> Uh, so the last one then is from the original trilogy, uh, Return of the Jedi. Uh, when, um, and truly right after this moment, like we, we let off with, right. This is where Luke becomes officially a Jedi. This is that sort of hero to aspire to, right. I think what we love about Luke and, and past versions of Luke that we've gotten in, in, in um, in media and in, in fiction is that I'm not perfect, but here's this version of a character that is, despite being threatened by the Emperor and the darkest Sith there is, and despite the rebels getting destroyed and being alone here, I'm not going to strike you down, right? Like the self-control to be able to, first of all, lose control and then and then realize the error of your way and throw away your weapon and say no never i'm not going to do it i'm i'm not going to kill me if you want i'm not going to do it uh is very powerful very inspiring and again i would say and so i understand a lot of people's critique on on what happens later in the sequel trilogy is that this is this is quintessential star wars and what what we should be attaining and living up to and this is the hero who's conquered the the challenge and now said reached a new level 
this is who I am, not that. I'm not going to become you, and I'm going to take the high road, and I'm not doing this, right? So that moment where he throws that away, never. I'll, I'll, I'll never turn to the dark side. That is probably top one or two in, in Star Wars. Well, and I think also when he specifically says, I'm a Jedi like my father before me, yep. it, it really, it, it hits you, hits you right here because it's yeah. like, no, he's, he's not Darth Vader to me anymore. He is my father. Mm. He is Anakin Skywalker. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty, totally pretty powerful to say that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I just want to point out that people who love that Luke throws his saber here hates that he throws his saber in Last Jedi, uh, which is just ironic. That's it's all. funny. It's funny you mentioned that because like the first couple of replies to my tweet, um, somebody referenced, you know, and then he throws his lightsaber. I that they were talking about in this scene. Yeah. Yeah. It, for whatever reason, what I wanted to read into it was then he throws his lightsaber. That's not my Luke. And I just like, after a minute, I went, oops, that's not what he was talking about. Uh, and then, of course, everybody else decided to remind me. But Everyone who commented on it, that's what I wanted to respond. Well, you hated when he threw his saber in Last Jedi. So, like, you don't get that. You don't get that defense no more, bro. Nope. That's funny. <laughs> uh, All right, fa- Derek, you, man. All right. So my number five, let me take you back to the premiere of the season two finale of The Mandalorian. So. Mm. I have I have a habit of like waking up early the day that Mandalorian comes out and I watch it before work because I want to avoid spoilers and I have no patience when it comes to Star Wars. You're so, very good about that. Yeah. So I'm I'm sitting sitting on my couch and my girlfriend at the time, now wife, is asleep in our room. And you know, watching the the climax and everything, and then I see this X Wing pull into the the dock and I just kind of turn my head like Luke Skywalker drives the next wing <laughs> and then I see the cloak and I'm like no yeah and then when he turns the green lightsaber on I literally go <gasps> and I'm just frozen watching what happens like it was a to me a great reflection of the Vader scene at the end of Rogue One with everything from, you know, the triumphant music and just watching the, especially the look on Moff Gideon's face, that ultimate, like, I'm dead moment. Because if you think about it from his perspective, he goes into a room with Vader and the Emperor and they don't walk out, but he does. So every villain in the galaxy should fear this guy. And you can say what you will about, you know, the deep fake technology and everything. I think it looked much better in Book of Boba Fett. Yeah. But that initial reaction, you know, I couldn't believe what I saw. And it, it had to make my top five. And yeah. I it yeah. took me it took me everything to not just scream as loud as I could. Yeah. I'm a sucker for a good hallway uh hallway fight scene. Yeah. Him just shredding those um those whatever they were those droids or whatever um i'm all over that yeah absolutely and it's i mean listen i i loved mandalorian season three it's probably my it honestly is probably my favorite season of the show so this is gonna sound like a weird complaint but i almost wish the show had ended there i think it's a beautiful Mm -hmm. ending for everybody Mm -hmm. din taking Mm -hmm. off his helmet to say bye to grogu um you know grogu going off and being a jedi like i think it's a killer moment for everyone it's where season three is a standalone story kind of beginning to end. 
one and two is one story, which is Din finds Grogu. Now he needs to get him to where he belongs. And it felt like a real culmination of that. And I think uh, it's it's a fun moment for the nostalgia and it's a beautiful moment between what else are the other dynamics that play in that yeah. in that scene. I agree. I agree. I would argue, yes, that's where Din and Grogu's story should have ended. Uh, but the Mandalorian should have gone on with Bo, just like we had. We didn't need Din to have Bo in this. Listen, no. I again, I agree with, I totally agree with what you're saying, but I do also like the ending we get in season three, too. Oh, yeah, that's great, too. That's yeah. Happy great too. endings. Happy endings are welcome. We don't get enough of them in Star Wars. So yeah. I know there's going to be more. Season four is already written, blah, blah, blah. But uh, I would be totally fine, too, if that was the ending of the show. Them just living on their farm and eating frogs. Like, sounds great. Yeah. Complete with the the Looney Tunes, like, zoom in. Yes. And then yeah. <laughs> Loved it. Loved it. Yep. Uh, my number four is funny. You mentioned the the scene where Vader throws the Emperor you know, down the Death Star mm. shaft, because yeah. that is my number four. Uh, minus the the inserted no, no which is terrible i i got so mad when they did that seriously <laughs> like people get mad at the last jedi they should get mad at that because that is completely <laughs> completely irrelevant um again watching that for the first time and watching you know vader look at luke him begging father help me and he looks over and palpatine's just shocking him as hard as he can and he just keeps turning his head back and forth and credit to john williams for his epic score throughout really all of star Wars, but this too, like the music just builds and builds and then Vader picks him up. I can only imagine the theater on opening night had to just erupt when that happened, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's one of my favorite moments from back when I first watched star Wars and it's still one of my favorites now. Yeah. I mean, it's obvious. Anakin becomes the chosen one, right? Like that's Mm -hmm. the moment he be, he fulfills his destiny, but um, I do feel bad for Anakin a bit in this scene, uh, mostly just because I think it's a culmination of all of Star Wars. But Freddie Prince Jr. has this really good rant about how um, people don't dictate things. The force dictates things. Hmm. And that like um, the reason why the emperor is so powerful and the force is the, the dark side's clouded. The Jedi is because the force wills it to be that way. And uh, poor Anakin's right at the center of that, man, wherever the, wherever the force wants to go, Anakin's little good. And then move to the bad, back to the good, back to the bad. Fine. Okay. We're going to end good. Like it's where he's the odometer of the force. We just point us in the direction we need to go. Absolutely. A uh, number three, another Vader moment, the end of rogue one, when he slaughters all the rebels as they're trying to escape with the Death Star plans. A good old hallway fight scene. <laughs> yeah, I, I love a good hallway fight scene. I'm right there with you, my friend. I remember, again, seeing it for the first time, and you just hear the little rumble in the back of the room, and then the camera starts to push in, and you hear the breathing, and the red saber ignites, and you're like, holy crap, this is like something out of a horror movie. And that was the Vader that we were all wanting to see, just pure rage. And we got it. And I I watched Rogue One today. Um, I watched part of it this morning and then the rest of it, you know, when I got home to to prep for the podcast. Still an incredible moment. That whole movie is excellent. Mm -hmm. You could make the argument that that's the best Disney Star Wars movie that's been done, in my opinion. Yes, I did make that argument um, a few years ago. Uh, I almost that moment almost made made my list as well. Uh, I will just say this: I know from what I understand at Celebration, 
um, Tony Gilroy really doesn't want any more Star Wars. Um, he didn't really want it to begin with, it seems, and certainly was not keen on the idea of doing a, a TV show because that's just not his thing. But man, give that guy more Star Wars. Like he just the he just gets it and gives us some really really powerful moments like that. So number two is Duel of the Fates. Again, best lightsaber fight I think that's ever been done in Star Wars. Specifically, after Darth Maul kills Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan's waiting on the other side of the barrier and you can see the rage building up in his face. And as soon as that barrier is gone, he just goes full rage after Maul and they're just moving so fast. That's the best part of that fight scene, in my opinion. It's just there's so many emotions from John Williams' score to Darth Maul looking angry all the time, which Ray Park does a great job of. Mm. Um, it, it's it's just an incredible fight scene. You guys ever wonder how much Peter Serafinowicz made, how much money he made just doing like three lines for Darth Maul in, in that movie? Like that guy, he had to, he's getting royalty checks now just for, uh, you know, he's like two lines in that movie. Darth yeah. Maul's so fun. I, I, I love Darth Maul. Number one is the destruction of the Death Star. The whole, Which one? The first one from okay. A New Hope. Uh, so everything, again, from John Williams' score to the anticipation of you know, hearing Obi-Wan's voice saying, use the Force. Luke turns off his, his targeting computer. Han shows up. That whole sequence is my favorite in Star Wars. And it always think- will be. I think you bring up a really good point here talking about this moment, Derek, because I think people can forget how influential this movie was in 1977 uh, and how influential it still is today, because it's really easy for us to look at it in 2023 rose colored glasses and critique, you know, it's puppets, it's 1970 CGI, all this stuff, but, or, you know, CGI equivalent or whatever, like effects, (laughs) Yes. That's, see, 2020, 2023 glasses right there. I yeah. used a word that didn't even exist back then. But uh, good old George created. Absolutely. So it's easy for us to do that. And this is a great um, reminder of that because I truly, honestly believe one day Tom Cruise was watching Star Wars and went, what if we did this but with F-18s? Because... <laughs> It's the entire premise of Top Gun Maverick is just to do the trench run yeah. uh, on the Death Star. It's it it looks identical. The movements are the same. I mean, planning it, sessions, planning then, session. Yeah. It he literally was like, they could do this, but you know, in Super Hornets, and it's still affecting movies fifty years later. Like, yeah. uh, I that may not be true, but in my head canon, it's a thousand percent true. Yeah, I would buy it. I'd buy it as reality. Yeah. I can't deny the similarity. It's great also to go back and watch the making of the original Star Wars and just seeing all the models they built from the ships Mm -hmm. to the actual physical Death Star trench that they used. It's all just so fascinating because people still don't realize they invented a lot of that technology because Mm -hmm. they had to. In order to carry Mm -hmm. out that vision, they saw, well, this isn't possible. Well, they made it possible. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's why I was, I would, I said earlier, I mean, there's, there's so much about star Wars that it's like, man, how can you only pick five? Because even some of the moments that you're like, well, that's kind of cheesy or that doesn't really, that's not that great. 
because of what they had to do to create that moment back in 1977 or with the the subsequent films, the impact that that had, even some of the most minute details, smallest moments on cinema from then on. I mean, movies we watch today are technology that was created is being used today that was created for those movies back then that didn't exist mm-hmm. and pioneered mm-hmm. so many things. I mean, I don't know if you've had a chance to watch um, Light and Magic, I think is what it's called, the, the docu-series on Disney Plus about um, ILM. <clears throat> that They go really deep into it. And I did not realize that, you know, not only did George create Pixar, which I knew, but um, Adobe Photoshop. <laughs> Adobe Photoshop, not him, but people who are working on Star Wars today and working on it back in the prequels, they created the technology to use for those movies. And then it developed into Adobe Photoshop and got sold off, you know, at that point. And it's like, without that movie, we wouldn't have a whole career, a whole industry of art, art artists and photographers wouldn't be doing what they're doing because of Star Wars. Like that's incredible. And you're right. The, the trench run, the destruction of the first Death Star is is a great representation of the skills and the manpower and the innovation that went into to um, to those movies to to kick it all off. So, absolutely. Well, you guys want to get into the listener lists? Let's, yes. do Let's do it. All right. So first up, we have Brandon Rutledge. His honorable mentions in mostly chronological order: uh, the pod race scene from Phantom Menace. The chaotic opening scene from Revenge of the Sith with the giant space battle and uh, mm. R2-D2 with his fancy oil slick was pretty awesome. <laughs> uh, in Revenge of the Sith, when Palpatine kills Mace Windu, he specifically re- mentions the quote, I am the Senate. Mm-hmm. Uh, Obi-Wan versus Anakin from Revenge of the Sith. Who shot first? Honor Greedo from A New Hope. Uh, it's on. Uh, Luke fighting Darth Vader in a cave uh, in Empire Strikes Back. The revelation of Luke and Leia being siblings. Finn using a lightsaber to fight Kylo Ren. And Regan, as you mentioned, the the Darth Revan revelation from Knights of the Old Republic. Nice. Nice. Uh, Let's see. These were the following three were the last ones to be cut from his top five. See that like this was a really hard list to do. Mm -hmm. Um, Obi-Wan using the Jedi mind trick on a death stick dealer from Attack of the Clones. Great moment. Love it. You don't want to sell me death sticks. Uh, Actually seeing the Kessel run in 12 parsecs from Solo, our first solo reference. Yeah, probably good thing that came out of Solo, but you know. Hey, get out of here. Solo's a fine (laughs) movie. It's it's really not that bad of a movie going back and watching it. I totally forgot to even include it in my list. Like, I have not seen it since that first time we saw it in theaters. I keep forgetting it's a thing. I watched it again not too long ago. It's it's not as bad as you might remember. Because I remember yeah. going to the theater and I'm like, I was okay. Yeah. But it, it's really not bad. I'll give it a shot. And then <laughs> the uh, fight scene on Jabba's sail barge from Return of the Jedi. Mm. And then his number five, uh, Boba Fett being shown to be alive which was a cool mm-hmm. revelation that, you know, mm-hmm. we've all been wanting to see on screen. Uh, w- along with Luke Skywalker's cameo, his five was a tie. Mm-hmm. Um, number four, Yoda versus Count Dooku from Attack of the Clones. Number three, the Death Star battle from A New Hope. 
Number two, Duel of the Fates. And number one, No, I Am Your Father from Empire Strikes Back. Some carryover there with some of ours. I do. I saw Reagan make a face. The Yoda fight scene. Listen, it's not my it's favorite fine, moment. Right? But I do. I want to. I want to say this about it. Uh, you know, everyone shows those videos about Avengers Endgame when you know all the Avengers show up and Cap says Avengers Assemble and every the crowd goes nuts. Uh, that moment for me, the equivalent yes. is when Yoda lights up his lightsaber. I mean, people were standing, uh-huh. yelling, clapping. Yeah. They went ballistic. It, it was great. Yep. It was great at the time the and as theater a theater environment. I love the theater it. environment. Perfect. Yeah. Totally and agree. The homage with uh, Grogu, you know, hopping around. There's, they're just throwing the puppet. <laughs> they're just throwing it. You know. I said this on the show last week, but that puppet has more than made its money. Like oh, however yeah. much it costs to make, it has made astronomically the... more than that for Lucasfilm. The only reason that kid is in that show anymore is to just sell more toys. Like that's it. He's just he, a merch. Who people, cares? People love it. Great. Oh, it's fine. It's fine. I'm just making sure we acknowledge that. That's really why the story still talks about. That's Garfield. at the heart of so much of Star Wars, bro. Is to sell toys. <laughs> Jason Jason Robbins, my co-host from the Nerd Cave Retro Show. As far as honorable mentions, there are just too many to name. Luke showing up in Mandalorian, to Grogu jumping into Mando's arms after being reunited, to the to the quote, I can't swim. Mm. There's just too oh, many. God. Yeah. yeah. All so good. Them. So All good. Them. Number five, when Lando pilots the Falcon out of the second Death Star and barely makes it out before being swallowed up by flames and screams, Yeah! Ah, that moment still gives me goosebumps every time. Uh, number four, Duel of the Fates. He says, in a movie full of flaws, that is one of the greatest moments in cinema. When the laser door finally opens and Kenobi lunges at Maul with absolute fury is breathtaking. Number three, Vader ignites his saber in the dark hallway in Rogue One. Two, Han makes the right decision to become a hero and literally saves Luke in the rebellion and says, you're all clear, kid. Now let's blow this thing and go home. And number one, Luke confronts Vader for the first time on Bespin, and out of the shadows, Vader says, the Force is strong with you, young Skywalker, but you are not a Jedi yet. The way Mm. James Earl Jones delivers that line just sends chills down my spine. Bespin underrated Star Wars location. Yes. That room specifically. Yep. Everything about Cloud City, I'm super on board with, and... Yeah, that whole in, Empire Empire rules. Yeah. That's that is, is such a good movie. I, yeah. I will say the best. Sorry, derail for a second. The best post George Lucas, or no, sorry, the best post release George Lucas fixes right is Cloud City. I think just Agreed. the additions he made with the backdrops mm. and the mm-hmm. you know the wider angles and the you know activity and the windows highly improved that whole segment. Absolutely. Steve Wise, number five, Luke comes to the rescue from the Mandalorian. Number four, Vader attacks the rebels from Rogue One. Number three, Luke and Vader's lightsaber battle from Return of the Jedi. Like we haven't talked about the main battle specifically, but like like to that point, that was the best lightsaber duel that we got. Mm-hmm. Number two, Duel of the Fates from The Phantom Menace. And number one, I Am Your Father from The Empire Strikes Back. You know what it says to me, Derek, is that we are really in tune with the general audience of Star Wars here. Like, yeah. I, I, no. I think we, the three of us have proven that yeah, this evening. We got that. 
Yep. My, minus the, minus the, the last Jedi talk, but <laughs> the Disney well, shilling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thomas Carter Rochester in no particular order. The Vader hallway scene from Rogue One. Luke to the rescue from the Mandalorian. Luke Skywalker in Return of the Jedi saying, I am a Jedi like my father before me. I mentioned that earlier. Very good quote. Anakin versus Obi-Wan from Revenge of the Sith. And from the Return of the Jedi theatrical cut, Green Dancing Twilight Boob. Hashtag never Besides, forget. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, saw, I saw that one on Facebook, I think. Yeah. Yeah, or something. Yeah, uh, that made me laugh out loud when I read that the first time. Uh, Nick Smith, number five, the quote, who's scruffy looking? Underrated quote, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Number four, Luke's final run on the Death Star. Three, the duel of the fates. Two, Leia telling Han she loves him. He knows. Classic moment. Mm-hmm. And number one, the Emperor having so much fun being evil in Return of the Jedi. He's so happy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, he actually, there's a, there's a point when he's walking down during the fight, I think, and he's just like clapping. He's walking down the steps and just. Use your aggressive feelings, boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And then I will say too, real quick. The um, I love you. I know. Um, we have throw pillows for our bed um, that say that. So yeah, that's a good. That's, that's a good awesome. One. If you want a funny parody of that, watch the Family Guy version of Empire Strikes Back. Oh, I'm not. I need to see that. It, those Family Guy versions are mm. they hold up pretty well. Oh, they're they're, they're great. Pretty good. Just yeah. don't don't watch it with the children. No, no. What Reagan? Oh, what Reagan didn't say there was that was for our bed, his and mine. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got yeah. the Leia tattoo. I'm gonna get a, a yeah. Han tattoo on my arm. So. Yeah. Not really. And what? What else would he admit? There's yeah. there's been a, a theme throughout here, which it, I don't know if any if people have picked up on, but anytime we talk about Star Wars, normally the other one is in the story with us. So it would be like driving home from Tross, driving home from Rogue One, going, going to, to celebration. celebration. <laughs> yeah. Uh, from Wade Vatican, number five, Luke saving everyone in the Mandalorian. Four, Vader destroys so many rebels in Rogue One. Three, Vader reveals himself to be Luke's father in Empire Strikes Back. Number two, Han showing up to save Luke in A New Hope so he can destroy the Death Star. And number one, Luke destroying the Death Star. A lot of Vader ones. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. Jonathan McIntosh, number five. It's a trap. The battle over Endor was amazing for its time, tripling the amount of effects on screen and a huge thrill to see again in theaters recently. Mm-hmm. Number four, Fulcrum is revealed to be Ahsoka Tano mm-hmm. on Star Wars Rebels. Ahsoka's yes. return to the fight after walking away from the Jedi Order in the Clone Wars series. Yeah. Number three, the Vader hallway scene at the end of Rogue One. This was the first time we saw Vader raw and unhinged, using not only the Force, but carving up Rebel scum left and right it was terrifying. Mm-hmm. Number two, it's effing Luke Skywalker, the Mandalorian season two finale that sent Star Wars fandom into meltdown. And number one, no, I am your father, the biggest cliffhanger of the modern age of cinema. And it took three years of waiting to find out it was true. All of it. Mm. Nice. Yeah. Wally- that Ahsoka moment's killer. I am yeah. no Jedi. And I, that's, that's what I'm wearing right now. I am yeah. no Jedi. Uh, 
uh, uh, Ahsoka in Rebel season two is it, it might be my favorite bit of Star Wars media. Period. I mean, yeah, I really, really love it. That line when she's fighting Vader and he says, "Revenge is not the Jedi way," and she says, "I'm no Jedi." I'm like, "Uh oh, Vader yeah. might <laughs> might have his hands full." Yeah, uh, great. Uh, Wally Phelps, I can't. I just can't decide, so I will list an order it pops into my head. The last 30 minutes of Rogue One, which are incredible. Mm-hmm. I love you. I know. Star Tours. No one's mentioned Star Tours or any of the okay. attractions, but I I, I count it. Yeah. Duel of the Fates and I Can't Swim. You know, that's a great point Wally brings up there. Rise of the Resistance is the greatest amusement park ride of all time. It is. Oh, yes. so good. It's so good. Yes. And yes. I'm glad no one told me what it was. And I still mm. don't go into detail unless yeah, it's somebody who else has done it. Because I'm like, just like you got to do it for yourself. Yeah. It's, it's so incredible. There's, it's breathtaking. Uh, I need Wally to clarify, though, because um, isn't there multiple versions of Star Tours? There's like 137 different yeah. variants of so Star Tours. So I need Tours, to know but... specifically which one he's talking about. <laughs> he's got to give us a date and a time. Yeah. And exactly that... what happened. Yep. Which room he was in because the sequences change. I mean, yep. there's all sorts of things in Star Tours. That is a great thing side, about that ride. Yeah. Side note, I do love that they brought that into Rebels, I believe. There's a um, transport ship at one point. I think it's mm. season one. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're tr- having to work with a governor or governess or something. And the little transport ship they get on is modeled after the Star Tours um ride and then the little droid in the the driver's seat is that droid and they do that a couple of different times uh they've even done it in modern i think disney era um yeah he's he was just in the like the last season of the mandalorian yeah i was gonna say that you see him in live action too which i think was really really just fun little nugget Mm -hmm. uh from donna diamond who's also my mother um i have not seen any everything star wars but i'd like to give my top star wars moment I remember going to Pensacola's Westwood Mall in 1977 to see Star Wars, a movie everyone was talking about with my mother, sister, and brother. We had no idea what we were going to see, but it was unbelievable. From the moment the first word scrolled across the screen, you were hooked, and the characters were amazing. There were many memorable moments, but the one I remember most is the Death Star being destroyed and the entire audience jumping out of their seats and cheering. I'll never forget it. If yeah. the DeLorean from Back to the Future was real, I would love to go see Star Wars in opening yeah. night. Like with the knowledge I have now, mm-hmm. just thinking these people have no idea that they're about to witness history. Yeah. Yeah. I've said that before too. Like you go back in time, every open, like all those moments, all the moments we've talked about, but especially OT moments, like to see it with, with, um, yeah, an adult audience and see how they react. Be cool. That'll be incredible. And our last list from Grant Spencer, number five, Anakin saying, now this is pod racing. (laughs) That's a very Grant answer. I know Grant very well. That is a Grant answer. Yeah, that's great. Uh, Number four, Count Dooku meeting Obi-Wan from episode two. Mm. Han Solo saying, I know, in response to Princess Leia. Two, Ben Kenobi versus Maul. I wonder if he remembers the if he's talking about the mm. Rebels fight. I think so. It, it's the because it, 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 I wanted to include it so bad. It, it's, it's such great. a great scene. Yeah, it's so There's good. A few people that, that I when I tweeted out about it that that mentioned that one too. Yeah. And last but not least, Duel of the Fates. That's been on just about everyone's list, mm-hmm. which is Makes great. Sense. I mean, as, as it should be. 
Yeah. It makes you wonder if Phantom Menace is better than everyone gives it credit for. Oh, it totally is. No, it, it is. Again, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm not it, your average fan, but uh, no, it, I, 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 I crapped on the Phantom Menace a lot uh, about the like, and it's true, the, the CGI doesn't hold up in a lot of spots. Okay. Um, because it's early tech. Um, some of some it does, some it doesn't. The grass, the grass. If there was anything I could beg Disney to do, it's go back and give me a remastered version of the prequels and fix the grass in the big droid fight because it's it looks it's just a flat plane. Like it's video games, video games five years later have better grass that's digital than than the Phantom Menace. It's, it's just enough grass talk, right? Go anyway. on with your point. <laughs> so my point is, is that going back and watching the story though, it's it's actually really fun and it's really good. And it is it is meant for a whole new generation of children fans, but it's it holds up a lot better than people try to act like or remember that it does. Um, Listen, the Phantom Menace is like Nickelback. Everyone wants to hate it, but somebody's buying those records. Look at this you know, you, yeah. you know what I mean? Like somebody's watching that movie, uh, and uh, I, I think it it opens in the wrong foot because you're like trade wars. There's a blockade. Like this is for kids, but like they don't know what any of these Bring words the mean. <laughs> yeah, I never understand yeah. what they're saying. Uh, but listen. It, it is better. From the moment you get to Tatooine on, that movie's all gas, no brakes, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. It takes you a little bit to get there, but once you're there, there's nothing wrong with that movie. Yeah. And it's got two of the coolest characters in all of Star Wars, Qui-Gon Jinn and Darth Maul. It's Whoa, so cool. And, and Jar Jar Binks, man. I mean, who can't love that well, guy? Well, he, he's a close third. Yeah. yeah. I, by the way, Listen. I was so happy that Ahmed Best came back for Mandalorian uh, and was the one who saved Grogu. Yeah, great. Great choice. Great yeah. redemption there in Star Wars, and not for him, but for us, the for fans. Us. Yeah, like yeah. it was an opportunity for us to make up for where we went wrong. And yeah. uh, I, props, great decision. And yeah. I will say oh, this: oh, more of that. at some point, I don't know when it's going to be, but I still think that Jar Jar will come back in some Star Wars story, and he'll be redeemed, and it will yeah, it will so. go over well, and the fans will love it. You think it'll be Hopefully. live action? Or you think yes. they'll cop out and do animation? I think it'll be live action. I think it should be live action. Yeah. I want it to I, be. I, I don't I, think it will do justice. I mean, I am a sucker for Star Wars animation, it, but I don't think it would do the justice it needs by not doing it in live action. So, yeah. I agreed. think, what's his what's his name? Ming, Ming Chen? Is that right? Chen? Ming? Men Ching? Ming Chen? Ming Chen. The, the Lucasfilm guy? Oh, no. Ming, Ming Chen's from, from Comic Book Comic Man. Comic Book Man. No, yeah. who's the guy? Yeah, oh yeah, you're right. Sorry, not him. Um the guy from Christian, we saw his panel, his uh panel at uh celebration. He was um I have he talked no about idea. Oh my gosh, the the Asian guy from Lucasfilm who worked heavily on the prequels, uh and now he's like a big wig at Lucasfilm. Um I didn't go with that with you. No, Chelsea went to his first one, and then we all, I thought we all went to his, his, maybe you didn't go. I don't go think to, so. Anyway. This is, this is bad podcast. Sorry. So, somebody will correct us. Someone correct me. Anyway, I feel horrible for not knowing his name. He, I think he slipped, or maybe he didn't. People theorize that he did, because he talked about um, bringing back uh, Padme's ship for the Mandalorian, and how they went back and recreated it. 
up until that point though, there was this huge fan theory, which I still think is true. And I think he just calls it Padme's ship because that's what it looks like. Um, but there's this theory of uh that it's Jar Jar Binks, actually, who flew Ahmed Best's character to rescue Grogu. It wasn't Padme because timeline wise, like she should be on Mustafar, right? Uh with with Obi-Wan and Anakin. And so the what I really want to see, what I really want in live action, and it's got to be Mandalorian flashbacks, but is Ahmed Best's character, I can't remember it now. Kelleron Beck. Kelleron Beck delivering Grogu, baby Grogu, to Jar Jar Binks and, and hiding him out with Jar Jar. And you see the two of them on screen together, a little moment, just a nod to the fans, but also like the full redemption of Jar Jar. Uh, I think that would just be, and this, I, I, I'm not going to quote the podcasters it came from who I heard it, but I just totally think it would be rad. I think that's one likely Two, the guy you're thinking of is Doug Chang, Doug Chang. That's right. If that happens, I'm going to record myself just standing up off my couch and going. (laughs) (laughs) Because, because it is a Naboo ship, right? It's, but that's why it's like, it can't be Padme's it's, it's. Who else is from Naboo? Who else is a senator from Naboo? Right? It's it ain't Palpatine, right? Well, yeah, it, not at that <laughs> point, right? So it's Jar Jar. It has to be. Yeah. Anyway, that that would be awesome. But guys, uh, anything you want to plug um, before we get out of here? Uh, you know, the only thing I got going on is uh, real phonies that chug away with that show uh, with my friends Joseph and Jason. Um, there's no real structure. There's nothing good about it. It's just three guys cracking jokes about movies the whole time. Uh, and, you know, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I am at Dat Jedi Guy, D-A-T Jedi Guy. Uh, I was fantastic phony for years, but we don't do fantastic people anymore. So right. yeah. it didn't make sense. Yeah, so I'll go ahead and say, fantastic people, it is still live, it is still up, you still can go check out all the great episodes that we have, um, we do have a couple of Star Wars conversations, so you can go find those, and uh, Derek, I might, I might provide you the links for those, but um, other than that, it is forthcoming, it will happen by the end of this year, uh, my wife and I will be doing a Star Wars themed podcast together, um, name TBD, to be determined. Um, but it's basically going to be about parenting and relating that to star Wars and drawing lessons for parents and for parenting, uh, things you can teach your kids and how you should teach your kids from lessons from star Wars. Um, so that will be coming by the end of the year. So keep an eye out for that. You can find out more about it by following me on Twitter, uh, at Jedi sympathizer. Um, and if you also just want to get nothing but great, wonderful star wars commentary and lots of retweets from star wars uh you can follow me there and and love to have you so fantastic well guys thank you so much for taking the time to do this top five this was great thanks buddy yeah always always down to talk the old galaxy far far away thank you once again to regan and christian for taking the time to have this awesome discussion and to list our top five star wars moments i'm sure there'll be many more star wars centered episodes of the show in the future as always, and you can follow them both on Twitter. You can find the the links to their pages in the show notes. I'm going to be doing another review this upcoming Thursday. I'm going to be reviewing Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. So if you've enjoyed my reviews, uh, I'll be releasing another one this Thursday. Had a lot of fun 
watching that movie, and I've got a lot of stuff to say about it. So that'll be out this upcoming Thursday. And for next Monday, I'll be chatting with actress Amber Doig Thorne, who starred in the Winnie the Pooh Blood and Honey uh, horror. I don't know if you want to call it a parody or a, a retelling of the Winnie the Pooh story as a horror. And I remember kind of being taken aback when I heard that this was actually going to happen. But she has agreed to come on the show. We're going to talk about that and, of course, other aspects of her career. That episode will be out this upcoming Monday, uh, one week from today, if you're listening to this the day it comes out. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, if you want to follow the show, whether it's through social media, you want to subscribe to the show, just head over to linktree.com slash Podcast to find all of your Derek Diamond experience needs. But that's going to do it for this week's episode. I'm your host, Derek Diamond, and we'll see you guys back here Thursday for another awesome episode of the Derek Diamond Experience Podcast. Podcast.